The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Are you ready? It's time for your weekly dose of Wayne's Comics. It's time for episode 196 of the Wayne's Comics Podcast. Thanks so much for listening. This week I get to interview the two creators of one of my very favorite comics, Atomic Robo. And if you're not getting Atomic Robo, I highly recommend it to you. I talk with Brian Clevenger and Scott Wagner, the creators of this tremendous comic, and it's all ages and the good all ages. So we're going to talk a lot about the book and about what's going on with the Atomic Robo franchise, including a role-playing game, several different comics coming out, and a collection that I'm sure you're going to want to hear about if you haven't read it. And even if you have, you might want to have this in your bookshelf. There's a lot to get to, so let's get on with the show. I want to welcome to the podcast the creators of one of my favorite comics, Atomic Robo, Brian Clevenger. How are you doing, Brian? I'm doing well. How are you? And Scott Wagner. How are you? I'm great. Well, great. It's good to talk with you guys because I have loved Atomic Robo since you guys first started it. And it is one of the best books out there, I think. It's an all-ages book that is not down in the bottom level for intelligence, which some people often think they are. But your guys' book has always been a great book, full of adventure, full of fun, and I really love the book. And this is a great time to be an Atomic Robo fan with all kinds of goodness going on. So there's a lot to talk about. But why don't we start off first, just in case there's somebody out there that doesn't know who Atomic Robo is. Brian, how would you describe it to somebody who has never seen the character before? Atomic Robo is Ghostbusters, Indiana Jones, Buckaroo Banzai, Rocketeer. You cram all that into one character, make that character a robot because robots are really cool, (laughs) and then put them on adventures for a whole century, Mm -hmm. and that's Atomic Robo. Great. There's a lot of fun going on. There's a fun supporting cast, too. And one thing I really like, Scott, that you did was you created a look that's a lot of fun. He's got these great big Garfield-like eyes that I always <laughs> really like. Did you guys intentionally did that to start? Yeah, that was Brian's uh, one of his only design imperative. I think was that Robo have big, round, kind of goggle-like eyes. That's great because it gives him a lot of expression, which is the coolest thing. I really love the way that his eyes all sometimes like half close and stuff like that. So you get a lot of character in just those eyes. And so I think that's really a cool thing. So how long has Atomic Robo been going? It was a 2006 when you guys did your first miniseries. We started in 2006, but it didn't publish until 2007. 
Okay. Yeah, it was almost the end of 2007, actually, October. Yeah. Wow. So that was the first miniseries. That was like, what is it? Are your miniseries normally five or six issues long? We aim for five. The first one was six, though. Okay, yeah, I kind of thought that was six. But in case somebody hadn't seen that first miniseries and the two after that, that's just been republished by IDW in one of the, the aptly named collections. I really like the name of it. Called Everything Explodes. And it's very typical of you guys' sense of humor when you're doing things to have these kinds of wonderful comedic bits going on, things to to entertain us as well as, as keep us occupied by the adventure. You've got the first one, which I understand is out of print now. That first collection is not available, so this is actually putting it back into print. And so that's a great thing to see. And the other two after that, which are probably hard to get to. Scott, did you do that cover? I, I really love the cover, kind of almost a painted feel to it. On the uh, the uh, IDW collection? Yes. Yes, yeah, although it was really uh, Anthony Clark's color magic that really made it shine. I knew what I wanted to do, and he was able to kind of really home in on that and make it a million times better than I could then you can with just the plain line work. But, uh, yeah, I really wanted to get that kind of Art Deco epic sort of feel to it. Mm-hmm. It's just super. It really looks terrific and stuff. And right. it's, out, it's out in trade paperback when this airs. So I highly encourage people, if you want to get caught up on the early adventures of Atomic Robo, that's the thing to do. It's, what, 400 and some odd pages, so it'll take you a little while to get into it and stay there for a while. Because when I read your books anyway, I get lost. I don't realize the time's flown by until after I get to the end and go, that's the end already? Oh, man. So that's the way you guys do. Brian, you write a very strong, tight, quick-moving script, and I love Scott's art to go with it. So I think you guys are the ideal team on these Atomic Robo. Oh, yeah, we seem to have fallen into a pretty fun little groove. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Unfortunately, now neither one of us can ever murder the other, I guess. <laughs> Although, oh, my God, we really want to. Oh, the, the, plan, <laughs> the plans we've laid, but yeah. Mm. <laughs> now, some, at some point here, I want to talk about your website, because a lot of this kind of humor comes through on the website, and it's hilarious. It's, it's the best website I've ever seen that's been associated with a comic. So it's really good. But why not, let's catch up, because not only is there the collection that's out now, but you've also got a miniseries that's coming out from IDW, too. Brian, why don't you talk a little bit about that one? Yeah, at the beginning of this year, it was in January, we decided to put all of our comics online for free. And then once we finished with the back issues, we're going to start putting up uh, new material online for free. The current volume, Atomic Robo and the Ring of Fire. There's a new half page up every day, seven days a week. And that was our plan. And the plan was to have the audience there, build the audience with the free webcomic, and then sucker everybody or as many people as we could into buying trade paperbacks of that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we're trucking along doing that, and IDW comes to us and says, hey, what do we have to do to bring Robo back into issues? So we said, well, we would have to do this and this and this. And they said, all right. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's what's happening. The first issue came out a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Usually debuts online first for free. Mm-hmm. The second issue comes out in a couple weeks, and they've been really great to work with. Great. I'm glad to hear it because it is good to have a comic in paper format if we can these days. But, you know, you guys went to the webcomic format, and was that a success for you guys? How how did that go? Because how do you make money off of a webcomic? I don't know how that happens. Well, we have advertising, we have a Patreon campaign, and we have online merchandise. Okay. And you kind of add all that together, and it makes some money. Mm, good. Well, that's good to hear. Yeah, well, that kind of gets the ball rolling, but what Brian was saying... The initial plan and where we seem to be going is, you know, once we collect the web comics into the volumes, we, we sell them as physical books. So you already have people who know they like it and a lot of them, they want to support you. So it's kind of like you're advertising it all for free. 
but then saying, oh, hey, you want to buy this physical <laughs> collection of the things that so you're going to own it forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, I mean, even it's a little when counterintuitive, we were, but even when we were print only, people were going to pirate it. And we didn't really mind that because we figured, well, these pirates either they were never going to pay for it anyway. So that's not a lost sale mm-hmm. or they'll have discovered it in a way that they never would have before because, you know, it's risk free to just check out a free download. And if they really like it, then they're not evil people. They know I like this thing, and if I want to see more of it, I have to, at some point, throw some money at it. Mm-hmm. And so the webcomic is just kind of officially making that philosophy the business plan, in a sense. We're just giving it away for free, mm-hmm. all of it. It's there you know, 24-7. Check it out in any way that you want online, mm-hmm. in any order. And these people know that to get more material, they're going to have to buy, or they will even want to buy, just to show some support, a book or a T-shirt or a mug or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. to support a Kickstarter or a Patreon campaign. Mm-hmm. And it's just a numbers game. Like, even if only 1% of the audience makes that purchase, whatever it is, mm-hmm. as long as you have enough people coming in, that 1% can keep you going. Mm-hmm. Which is great. It's a funny story. I don't remember exactly who it was, but there was a British creator I was talking to, and he said the sales weren't doing very well on his book until somebody pirated it. Mm-hmm. And the word got out and it spread around and all of a sudden people discovered this comic and there was enough people who liked it enough to be able to buy it and it it just took off for him. He was really – he was thanking all the pirates. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have to consider that comics, where they came from, when they were the most successful, it was a trivial purchase. It was something that you threw money at. Mm-hmm. And that's not what we have now, mm-hmm. where you know an individual issue is $4. That's a bit of an investment. Mm-hmm. It's a bit of a risk. Mm-hmm. So if you can put it online for free and people can just see it you know, on their own time and their own way, and if they realize that they like it for free, well, then suddenly that $4 isn't a risk anymore. Mm-hmm. Suddenly that's an investment. It's something that they know that they're going to want and want to support. Mm-hmm. So that doesn't surprise me at all. Mm-hmm. Now, how's this doing for your scheduling of things like that? Because you know some comics fall behind. But if you guys are doing a half a page a day, that probably keeps you ahead of the schedule. So when the time comes to go to print, you've pretty much got the whole book ready to go. Yeah, I think the way that it works out, towards the end of the issue release, like the official print version, I think like the fifth issue will come out before the whole thing is available online. Mm-hmm. But otherwise, we should stay ahead of the game. Mm-hmm. Which is great. I mean, that's the greatest thing. Now, from my observations, you guys are about an issue and a half to two issues ahead online compared uh, to the print. Yeah, yeah, the, the third about. issue started, what, last week, Brian? Yeah, we're on page like 5A, I think, tomorrow. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so we're, we're just into the third issue now. So that's good. It's fun to look at, but you know, as much as I like reading it online, I really much prefer to have a paper copy or a digital version of my own because I like to support you guys, and I like to think that my money helps keep you guys creating this comic, and so I'm very much into that. Yeah, and it very much does keep us creating the comic, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm glad for that because as much as I like digital, and I think it's a great idea to do the things on a web page, but I just can't, if it's something I really like, I just can't go for leaving it there. You know, I'm the same way. I've been in web comics, making web comics since 2001, mm-hmm. and I can't read them. <laughs> I, don't, I, I think for me, the problem is that if I'm at the computer, I'm thinking, well, this is a workstation. Mm-hmm. I'm working or I'm researching, mm-hmm. and it's not really a place for downtime for me. I'm just not in the right space emotionally or intellectually to kind of disengage and just relax and enjoy something. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's very helpful to have a physical copy. It's the same with I do a lot of uh, RPG I back a lot of RPG Kickstarters, hmm. 
and it's very common for them to, you know, the base levels of PDF. Mm-hmm. I can't do that because re- I can't read that on the computer because I'm thinking, oh, why aren't I working? I have to have the, the physical copy. <laughs> That's funny. Now, the one thing I was interested in, too, was talking about the book itself because you're doing something a little different in this miniseries than you have in most of the miniseries we've seen before. Because Robo's got a rich 100-year history, sometimes you go from time period to time period. And one of the great things about the website I really love is you've got a timeline set out as to what takes place when, which I really love. But the current book, The Ring of Fire, is this in the current time? I mean, is it happening now as far as Robo goes? Yeah, it's uh, whatever day it was published. I think that is the, the day in the timeline when it occurs or when it starts anyway. Mm. So, yeah, it, it's really weird. It was kind of like the worst possible volume to have started, you know, to come back to with print mm. <laughs> because it's so uh, deeply enmeshed in volume six and eight mm-hmm. that it really does and nine. That it really benefits already being a robo reader, mm-hmm. you know what is going on, why is he just ahead, you know stuff like that. Mm-hmm. I think it reads well enough because mm-hmm. you can just figure out, oh, he's a robot, oh, he's ahead, he was stuck in the past or in the time, or he's just lost, whatever. It doesn't really matter. Mm-hmm. We're just trying to get him back. It makes enough sense. Mm-hmm. But yeah, if we were trying to do real synergy stuff, this would not have been the volume that we did. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it just happened that way, but it's still a great story. And I do love the fact that in this, of course, again, you've got something different going on, the fact that they don't know where Robo is when the miniseries starts. Right. And at the end of the first issue, you talk about the fact that they discover his head and things like that. But we're not exactly sure what stage everything is in. So it's kind of fun in a way, as people are getting into this book, they're probably discovering Robo as the book develops. And, you know, we get to see the people that are his friends around him trying to find him and things. And it was just kind of a neat way to, when, when you see his head for the first time, I was kind of like, wow, we've never done this kind of thing before. We've always had him basically all together as he's gone through the, the, the miniseries. But this time we actually get to see him come together, which I really do think if you're a new reader is probably a, a good way to go. Yeah, it might work out, actually. In a sense, the characters are rediscovering Atomic Robo as new readers are discovering it for the first time. Mm -hmm. So let's hope that actually worked out. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I think so. I think it will because when I was reading it, it was like a rediscovery for me. It was fun to go back and see him again. And, of course, you know, the great thing in issue two, as I, as I saw, was that we don't necessarily see him as a head for very long. Other things attached, which I really kind of got a kick out of, is that it's funny to see him in different shapes for yeah. a change. <laughs> was that fun for you to draw, Scott? Was that something it, a little different? It was a lot of fun to design uh, the different versions of him. But I got to say, the, the version that you're seeing now on the webcomic, where he's the, the head in the box, mm-hmm. is absolutely the most fun. The rest of them turned out to be, like, fun one-time illustrations and then really difficult to reproduce accurately again and again mm-hmm. uh, so i would like to see more robo head in a box action less super complicated reverse articulating leg robo <laughs> uh, but he, he quickly kind of evolves into the different versions that he goes to in the third issue i want to say yeah i think three and four is where we get the biggest changes great uh, yeah actually, three he changes pretty rapidly and gets back to at least something you recognize as traditional robo yeah, we have a bit of a montage in three where just a lot of stuff is happening. And like in every every new time you see Robo within this montage, he's better built. Mm-hmm. I like the fact that also that Robo's universe is in a different place, too. Because Tesladyne is, is it's dismantled at this point, isn't it? Uh, yeah, I think the genesis of this series was with every series, we like to kind of do our version of a really classic sci-fi story or genre. Mm-hmm. So the genesis of it was that every couple of years, Tony Stark loses the company, right? Right. 
So we wanted to do that story for Robo, but this is just the one where that happens, not the one where in five years you reboot and it happens again and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we have to show that without Robo there, you take him out of that world, you know, how, and that, yet that world continues to exist. How do the different power players react to the vacuum, you know, without Robo there providing the services that he provides? Mm -hmm. And we see that things get pretty bleak pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. There's also a bit of just in-house house cleaning because one of the complaints not complaints but uh, like the wish list item we both heard a lot from readers is that we never really spend a lot of time developing the action scientists and it was hard because there were so many of them to spend to focus too much on one or two of them meant that you kept ignoring everyone else so this was kind of a, a convenient way through the narrative to sort of hone the team down to our personal favorite characters introduce one new one and then kind of keep the team small. So for most of this, the first half, at least, of this miniseries is more about the action scientists than Robo, I think. Mm -hmm. So there you go, whiny fans. You finally get your, <laughs> <laughs> you finally get your in-depth action scientist stuff. <laughs> are you going to maintain that going forward? Are you going to keep the cast small? Or are you going to... I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> okay. That'll be fun. Now, you mentioned something that I always... Another thing I love about the website. You talk about stuff that you won't do in the book, as well as something you will. Um, is a page that's about... And when you go there, one of the things you talked about is no reboots, which you mentioned. And I love that because, you know, as, as certain comics companies are discovering, this rebooting thing gets to be a yearly event with some of them. And I'm just grateful you guys aren't doing that because you're keeping everything interesting and keeping us involved. And I like the way that you do that, that you keep everything. That 100-year history gives you a lot of latitude to do different kinds of stories, which is really cool. When I was first kind of tinkering with the idea of you know doing a comic, I think the primary thing in my mind was the problem of continuity. It's so great to have a huge, rich history, but... You know, with the larger companies especially, because they've had so many creators and so many editors and so many creative, I don't know, arcs and eras, it just becomes oppressive and difficult and impenetrable. Mm -hmm. So I wanted to have the richness of, of history, but to make it easy to hop into. Mm -hmm. And it occurred to me, because I'm just a guy who just likes real-world history a lot, mm -hmm. you know, you don't have to study all of it. You can study this and that and and you know, different events in different eras and, and different countries. You don't have to start at 10,000 BC mm -hmm. in the Fertile Crescent and then study everything going going branching out from there. You can do World War II and then skip back to World War One or the Civil War, or whatever. So uh, that idea that it is sort of that that was, what am I trying to say? That was just what I wanted to do with Robo, basically. That you could hop into any volume mm -hmm. and just go from there, and that you're understanding and your enjoyment of any one volume would increase the more that you read mm -hmm. because you would we'd see all these little callbacks and flash forwards and little hints that we drop here and there that you can't really do that in like a big two book because it's it's just all so convoluted and confusing and there's so many delays and whatever mm -hmm. but with us it's all that just we have this one history told through this one book and we'd hop around in time with it and you are as a reader encouraged to hop around in that time as well, you know, outside of the order of publication. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think by hopping around the way we do narratively, there's no... God, it would be so dull. It would be so dull if we went from day one, because we would still be in, like, you know, 1924. <laughs> yeah. Think of all the cool stuff that we would not have gotten to yet and wouldn't be able to get to. So it gives us a lot of creative freedom, and then we try very hard to structure every single arc as a standalone 
story. So even the one that's coming out now, where you've got the head in the box and there's time travel mentioned, and it is referencing these things from other uh, volumes, we hope anyway, we've given enough information just on the inside front cover and in the dialogue in the book that you can follow the story and be curious enough to go read those other stories, Mm -hmm. but you don't have to rely on them to know what's going on now. And, and you know, Atomic Robo, it's not Shakespeare. Like, we're dealing with some very broad tropes. Like, obviously, Majestic 12 are fascist bad guys. They're the Star Wars Empire, but on Earth. There's not a a real deep read here. You know, it's pretty (laughs) easy to pick up what is actually going on. Mm Mm-hmm. But that's nice because, you know, I, I guess I can say it because they're, they're peering back the mutants and all that stuff now. But it used to be to understand the X-Men, you have to literally invest thousands of dollars. Oh, yeah. You know, I, I, I had a roommate who didn't do it and he, he would read certain ones. But then when I began to realize I was explaining all this continuity to him, well, see, she did this and this issue and this happened and this and this and the other. And it took like a half an hour to explain events so that he could actually read the book and get something out of it mm-hmm. and you know i think that's one of the reasons why the mutants have kind of it took a long time but have kind of fallen out of grace so much because they have become such a thing that it's it's a chore to understand it all it is yeah 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 did you guys see the great thing like i said you've got this timeline now on the website which if anybody wants to know what happens when but there's a thing that you do that i really like is this business of telling a story like in five or six issues, rather than having a monthly thing and having to do filler is one of the things that you also said you didn't want to do. And I like that. I would much rather, when the book's ready, you put it out. Yeah, we want to work on stuff when we're excited to work on it, and mm-hmm. we want to bring that energy to you guys. And you know, we want every volume to be not a gift exactly, but just something that everybody involved, from us to the readers, is excited about. Mm-hmm. But we get that from the stories because there is a lot of excitement. There is a lot of interest. There's a lot of humor. There's a lot of great things going on. And the, the great thing, too, is that it actually comes to a conclusion. How, <laughs> how often does that happen in comics? Yeah. You know, If you buy Batman every month, you can't wrap up because Batman has to keep going. You know, And I'm a big Batman fan. But even I get to the place like I wish something would resolve. You know, just finish something at one point. But with you guys, you always come to a place at a satisfying conclusion at the end of the miniseries. And then, of course, when the trade comes out, people can get the trade. And so there's always the sense of storytelling that I just adore. I just think that I wish more storytelling like this was going on instead of you – know, it, it feels like what you're doing is telling stories rather than making money. Yeah. Uh, you know, the, the basic structural problem of modern mainstream comics is that they are all locked into an eternal moment of now, mm-hmm. which means that there is ultimately no real resolution. There's like constant change and constant threat, but there's no. But none of it means anything. Yeah. Right. And then, so to kind of counteract that, all of the marketing is like, oh, this is so important, this is so important, this is the most important. Mm-hmm. Well, all of it is. So none of it is, because it's just, it's just noise at this point. Yeah. That's the bad thing, is that when everything is, it's like putting everything in bold typeface. Yeah. When you put yeah. everything in bold typeface, nothing's in bold typeface. Exactly. That's that. exactly what it is. But you guys do a very good job on that, and I really like that. And so when is issue number two going to hit in paper? It's coming out in October? Yeah, I think it's early October, 9th or 10th or something. Okay. That sounds right. Yeah. I had a calendar. October let's, the 7th is the first week. Oh, maybe that's it then. Maybe it's the 7th. Well, 7th or the 14th, we'll keep an eye out. I do have to say, I wanted to tell you that, major spoilers here, we are big fans of Atomic Robo. (laughs) We we put out a thing every week that we talk about staff picks, 
Yep. And we will often, there'll be out of five people, at least four of us will be going, Atomic Robo's out this week, Atomic Robo's out this week. And have <laughs> all awesome. of our things going, we can't wait, we can't wait. Kind of stuff. So it's just a great thing. So we we try to promote you guys' stuff as much as we can because it's just Thank wonderful. You. So good stuff. So uh, that'll be out. And then is it coming out bi-monthly? Is that how this is working now? Oh, yeah. It'll be every month until this year so is done. And then we'll take a bit of a break and then you know tackle the next one. So every month then instead of bi-monthly. Okay, that's cool. Yeah, once the first issue gets, they will come out monthly, barring any weird printing delays or anything strange like that. But, mm-hmm. but I feel like that's less of an issue now. Mm-hmm. Probably. But I, I don't know. Let's see how it goes. Yeah, right? <laughs> Very good. Well, there's something else that you guys have, too, which is you guys have a role-playing game out now. And oh, yes, we do. I haven't played it yet. I haven't seen it quite yet, but I'm really anxious to get a look at it. Do you want to talk a little bit how that came to be? How did you guys develop that and make it happen for fans to be able to enjoy? Brian tricked me into it. <laughs> well, uh, before that, it has to be said that we were planning for an Atomic Robo RPG before we were planning that there would ever be a second volume. Really? That is true. That is true. Oh, wow. <laughs> we, are, we are both huge tabletop dorks. Ah, very <laughs> cool. So you've been planning it all this time. You've been wanting to do it. How did it finally come to be? How did, what, did you talk with some company that wanted to do it? How did it happen? Yes, we realized after years of not getting it done <laughs> that we were the worst people to get it done. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, by, by sheer chance, we happened to hook up with the folks at Evil Hat Productions, and they make the fun indie system known as Fate. Mm-hmm. which is very much a pulpy sort of inspired sort of system. It's the kind of thing that, I mean, once you read it and really understand the rules, it's like, oh, obviously this would be perfect for Atomic Robo. Mm-hmm. So I contacted Mike Olson. He, at the time, he'd done some work with Fate, but not for the evil hat people. Mm-hmm. And he was like, oh, I've never heard of Atomic Robo. Because, <laughs> I mean, not everyone has. Mm-hmm. So I sent him some PDFs, and according to him, he got through one page, and he was like, yes, I, I will make this thing. Mm. And so just from there, we happened to rope Evil Hat into it because they apparently just like Robo because it's the sort of thing that they're into, you know, mm-hmm. big, pulpy fun. Mm-hmm. And Scott and I just stayed out of the way and, and let them make a really fabulous game. Yeah. Wow, that's cool. So how long has it been out now? Uh, has it been a year? Year? Really? Year and a half. Really? Wow. Do you guys do updates to it as things go along as you put the books we, out? Currently, uh, well, no, not not like that. But currently, there is a supplement. It's in layout. All the content is done. Mm-hmm. This will be uh, sort of an expansion because the main book, you know, that's got all the rules. That's what you need to play the game. But the default lens that it sees the world through is, uh, you know, you're playing as an action scientist or a team of action scientists. Mm-hmm. And there's rules in there that you can do other stuff. Obviously, it doesn't take a big leap of the imagination to expand it to a whole different team. Or some people like to play it for Star Wars or Star Trek, whatever. Mm-hmm. But in this expansion, it's like, here's how you would play as Majestic 12. Hmm. So Okay, yeah, which is really good. So you've got all those things going on. Anything else that's going on that fans of Robo should be aware of? Any products or stuff? Because you have a store on your website. Are there things that you guys have been putting up recently that fans should be aware of? There's stuff that we should be putting up, but haven't. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're not the best at keeping at updating that as often as we're supposed to. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. There's, there's tons. Basically, most of the things that were backer rewards for our first Kickstarter from, what was that, two years ago now? Um, maybe three. Yeah, pretty close to three. Yeah, uh, most of that stuff is, you know, T-shirts, Tesla Dine coffee mugs, things like that. And then we just recently did a Kickstarter now that we're self-publishing everything, we did a Kickstarter to reprint all of the existing Robo books as hardcovers. Mm-hmm. So once those are out and the people who back the Kickstarter 
get their special Kickstarter copies. We're also printing slightly different versions to put on the store. So if folks will be able to buy them directly from us uh, cool. in the future. And, and I think we, we will be putting, they'll be getting into comic book shops as well, I believe. Yeah, I think IDW wanted in on that. Yeah. Hooking up with IDW really answered the last question we had about going out on our own and self-publishing everything. We, of course, will be tapping a much larger audience on the Internet, but how do we stay in contact with the brick-and-mortar audience that we already have? Mm-hmm. And how do we keep getting them the comics in the format that they want the comics in? Mm-hmm. And, yeah, it was, so it was really fortuitous that we hooked up with IDW. Great. Great. Yeah, yeah it's, it's been kind of a win-win for all of us. They seem very happy, and we're definitely very happy. <laughs> Well, IDW, of course, is, is doing Star Trek and stuff like that right now. Yeah. But Star Trek has bounced from company to company, and they've they've been at IDW now for a couple of years. So it looks like they're doing things that are making Paramount happy, which is good. And so if they, they're doing things that make you happy, too, all the better for those of us who are fans to be able to access product like that. Yeah, yeah. So it's just terrific stuff. So after this miniseries gets done, you've obviously got other stories that you're anxious to tell after this one gets concluded. Yeah, I think the next one takes us back to just after the very first issue. It's Robo in the East in 1938, Mm. and we get to see – there's sort of a blank period of a few years that we left in the timeline. Mm -hmm. So we get to see some of what he gets up to in there. Great. And we get to – are we allowed to say who's coming back, Brian? Or uh, I think we could say that Helen is coming back. Oh. Yeah, so, so it's more like it takes place after – it's closer in time to volume five. Okay. Yeah, yeah. If I'm, if I'm doing my mental head math correctly. Very yeah. cool. Very so we good. get to see well, whatever happened to that relationship that uh, Robo started with her in the 20s. And, wow. Yeah. And you see, all the things are great fun to fill in the gaps and do things like that. So there's all kinds of good things. Now, I've got to ask because Atomic Robo just screams animated show to me. <laughs> and it would be a you wonder- and everyone else. <laughs> Is there a possibility of that coming somewhere down the road? Uh, we're interested, yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay, so in other words, you can't talk about it if, if anything's happening by that. We well, I mean, we're we're planning on doing like a little demo thing mm-hmm. in the nearest future here that we could shop around, but nothing is in the works or anything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I'd love yeah. to see it because your art style just lends to it, and I think Brian's writing, and you guys, the two of you, just it just they just feel like they have the energy of an animated series to me. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to see it. I really would enjoy it. I think that it's the kind of thing that the whole family could sit and, and enjoy watching. So I'd really like to have it happen. But that's just my two cents. <laughs> yeah, we're, we're right there with you. <laughs> we would like to have it happen also. Do you, do you happen to own or know someone who owns an animation studio or a movie studio? <laughs> I wish. If, if I did, believe me, you'd know. Okay. They'd be right on you, but I don't do, have to know. Do that. let us you know, keep in touch on that. Okay, well, I go to conventions. I'm going to be in New York this year, and I'm going to... You win the lottery, I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to be in New York this year, and so I'm going to be humming around, talking to people, so you never know if I hear anything. I, can't, I try really hard to keep my ear to the ground in case something happens that I'd like to share with somebody. I, I keep these things in mind, so we'll see. Are you guys going to be in New York this year? Not this year. This will be the first year we've missed in a long time, but... Um... With everything that's been going on with Robo, and then I also, my family and I just recently relocated so that Brian and I could actually work in the same place for the first time And since we started this. Things have just been a little busy on the regular life side of things, so mm-hmm. this year we're kind of laying low at conventions for the most part. That's good. Well, you know, reality gets in the way of comics. and It does, it does. Yeah, I don't know. What, what's our next thing, Brian? Is it November? Yeah, I think we're doing a, a show in North Carolina. Yeah. Okay. 
Very good. Which show is it? Do you remember? It's the North Carolina Comic Con. Yeah. Oh, okay. Okay. Because it's not Heroes. Heroes, I already did that this year. So. Yeah. Yeah. It's my third year in a row missing it. I am awful. <laughs> <laughs> You're not allowed back. <laughs> I have to go back next year. I'll turn to my friend anymore. <laughs> well, one of the things on the website I want to wrap up with is, is of course, one of people's favorite villains is Dr. Dinosaur. Mm-hmm. And he's listed on the website. You do a thing about, hey, who makes this dang comic anyway? And the last entry says, Dr. Dinosaur is customer support. And I love the description. It says, basically, either we give him this job or he ties us up in court for years, alleging anti-Saranoid hiring practices. <laughs> <laughs> Again, I want to encourage people to go to the website. If you... You know, you missed having time. You, you missed the sense of humor that uh, the Robo books have. If you go to atomic-robo.com, you'll get all the great humor that uh, that you guys put into the books onto the website, and it's very funny, very entertaining. Brian on the website is an invincible killing machine, and yes, it's a curse. <laughs> <laughs> That's a fact, actually. That's a true thing. <laughs> <laughs> and then Scott, you're known on rare occasions to be out tugboat spotting. Well, we gotta of- update that. You don't do that anymore. Well, I don't live near the ocean anymore, do I? Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's right. You'll have to be some spotting something else as things go along. <laughs> so, are there other projects you guys are working on that we should be aware of? Anything else? Because, you know, Robo keeps you pretty busy, I'm sure, but you guys do take on other projects as well. So, uh, Brian, you got anything else going on? No, I concluded a, a miniseries for The Phantom for Dynamite earlier this year. Oh. And that's all I've done. I've just, I'm just doubling down on Robo. Great. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, same here. Just, just the only. I mean, the only other thing I'm sort of working on is a, uh, a series of kind of mini comics for our Patreon backers. Hmm. But that is extremely slow going because it's yeah, it's and I think they understand all this and are happy that Robo takes priority over everything. But other than that, no, we're not. Okay, well that's good. It's, as a fan, I'm glad to hear you're working on Robo. So that's a, a yeah. great thing. You know, I, I thought you had done a Marvel thing, Scott, at one point. Uh, it's been a while since we've done anything Marvel. What okay. was the last thing? Um, gosh, I think it was uh, Avengers for me. Avengers Earth Mighty Heroes. That could be. Yeah, that sounds right. But that was, oh man. I think we're coming up on five years since that. Oh goodness. Okay, well. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, that uh, yeah, that does date it, doesn't it? Well, <laughs> I try to keep up with you guys' projects because I always enjoy the stuff that you do. So that's why I was kind of, I was just wondering if something else was coming so I could uh, keep track of those good things and let people know that they're coming i think we got blacklisted because we say things like your continuity is stupid (laughs) yeah that's probably why they don't call us anymore (laughs) (laughs) well hey as long as you're doing atomic robo there's a whole bunch of us out here that are really thrilled that you're doing it (laughs) so boy keep up the terrific stuff atomic robo is something if you don't have it on your pull list you ought to get right now and get to your comic store and put it on your pull list or whatever crate it is you get your books in be sure that it's on that list because this is one of those books that everybody should be reading in my opinion should be in libraries too i think i agree that's great so brian and scott good talking with you as always and you guys just keep it up boy we're out here ready to support you and buy and if you do a kickstarter just let us know and we'll be right there awesome thank you and if there is anyone new listening who has not had a chance, who doesn't understand what's going on in new issues, they can't wait to get their hands on the IDW collection. Like, you know, as we already said, they can read everything online for free at the webcomic and get caught up. Very cool. That's the way to do it. So thanks, you guys, so much. Yeah, thank, thank you.
dramatic examples to shake them out of apathy, and I can't do that as Bruce Wayne. As a man, from flesh and blood, I can be ignored, I can be destroyed, but as a symbol. Get the latest from the comics universe. News, interviews, previews, and reviews. Listen to the weekly Wayne's Comics Podcast so you can keep reading your comics. That's it for this week. Be back next week as we continue our countdown to episode 200. But until then, keep reading your comics.